Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic that gets right at the heart of one of the most common misconceptions I think people have about artists and artists have about themselves. It's something I think we can explore and challenge today. So Matt brought up this topic last week. So Matt, I wanna let you introduce this and then let's see if we can break it apart some because I think we all kind of take it for granted a little bit, but it deserves to be explored. So this idea of do artists have to harbor some kind of trauma in order to create? What brought about the, the question and how do you think we can start tackling it this morning? Yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's a really interesting question that was posed to me by a local life coach, um, a woman that is here in town. If I'm a little bit loud, let me know. Um, but we were having a conversation uh, the other night. I was down at the local bar here and she happened to walk in and we got to talking and she asked how the, the artist forge is going. And I told her about the conversations that we had and yet again, invited her to clubhouse. Um, and she asked me, you know, she gets a lot of clients that are dealing with trauma, right? They're moving through trauma. And rather than get into a discussion about the trauma itself, she wanted to ask me, you know, do artists feel like they need to hold on to trauma in order to create the things that they create? Do they come to peace with it and just have it in the back of their minds as they're creating? Do they release it and that allows them to grow larger as an artist and really flourish instead of being shackled down? So, you know, it was, it was interesting to me because I started thinking about a lot of the other people in my life and wondering, I wonder, I wonder where that comes from for them, right? Because I talk about trauma and healing and a whole bunch of stuff with a lot of people. And so everybody deals with it a little bit differently. So not looking to delve into the trauma itself, I wanted to have a conversation about just the feelings of it. It doesn't have to be, you know, big, sweeping, traumatic issues from childhood. It can be anything. It could be a divorce. It could be sickness. It could be abuse. It could be absolutely anything that you feel was a negative point in your life that helped shape you. Now, again, the question here that I want to discuss is, do you feel you need to hold on to that or can you use it as a tool? How do you create your art? Does it even factor in, which it might not even? For me, it got me asking myself a lot of questions about some of the things that I've been through and some of the issues that I have, and do I pull from that? And the what I found for me personally was I don't pull from the specific things that happened to me. What I pull from is the result and the healing that I went through to create a more empathetic space for my clients and for them to be able to feel comfortable with someone that might understand some of the things that they've gone through. Again, there is no one-for-one -one apples and apples discussion here when it comes to this stuff. But I think, you know, just having an understanding of where, what people might be hiding under the surface that they may never tell us about creates that sort of connection for me, creates an empathy for me. And that's what all of my stuff has helped me with in my art. So I wanted to throw it out to the to the group and and see how people use whether it's trauma or memories or life experience and is it a a necessary tool to pull from trauma for some art 
or can you pull from a lot of different areas of experience in your life? And I, I wanted to keep it kind of as vague as that so that we can talk about what tools you're using to create your art. Um, but it all started with that question that was posed at a bar. I then had a very stiff bourbon while I thought about it. So um, rather than have everybody start drinking bourbon at 9 a.m., I just wanted to throw this question out there and see what y'all had to think. So I'll ask the panelists first, Nicole, Kat, Becca, what do you think about the question? Do you think it's a necessary part of an artist's toolkit to be able to pull from trauma or can it be used in different ways or used at all? I'd love to know what you think. I was trying to give some space there for Kat and Becca. If you guys have something, um, you don't have to wait for me. Feel free to go. I think it's interesting, the, the question as a whole, because I think a lot of artists get sort of wrapped up in addiction because of that very thing. Like I cannot, they, you know, heroin was a really big, uh, uh, I don't know, column pillar, pillar in this uh, particular discussion, uh, especially like in the late nineties and the early aughts, if you will, um, because artists would you know, experiment and go down rabbit holes and end up doing heroin and producing something that they've never like exponentially, like thousands and thousands of times better. And then realize or decide, I shouldn't say realize, decide that they had to continue using if they wanted to continue making terrific art. Um, and that's just a dangerous fucking thing. Uh, but you know, like some people stay in, in that trauma space that, you know, struggle so that they can continue to feel those things that allow them to produce this next level piece of work that they have. Um, and I, I don't believe that it's necessary, um, but I think it is, I do think that it is necessary to explore trauma or those emotions in order to create uh, really evocative art, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay there, right? Like that exploration is key. Yeah. And you know, that's really where I got to with it, Kat, was thinking along those same lines, was moving it from trauma to strong life experiences, Right. And I think you're totally right. I saw a lot of it growing up as well is that, you know, especially artists, musicians, a lot of times, you know, they're like, oh, I can't play unless, you know, I'm on this or that or I'm in this certain state um, and I can't create otherwise. And it, you know, goes down some pretty bad roads. I think where I started to ask myself these questions, it was realized that it was never um, necessarily the traumatic moments. It was just something that had a significant impact on me. I guess not having been an artist my entire life, insofar as a working artist or someone that even desired to be an artist, um, that I never really thought about them in that way of needing to use that as a tool to you know go forward. Um, but it's just more the emotional impact of it. And I wonder how many people chase that high, chase that feeling um, that they get from their art and it has nothing to do with any of that other stuff. It's just part of us that loves creation, that part of us that loves doing things. And when we set a very high standard, we've created something that's never been created before, that's much better than any of the work we've ever done before. Are you pulling from some of those places or are you just in that state of flow? So I started having all these weird thoughts about it, but I, I love what you said that, you know, it's not a necessary part of it for the art. For me, I think it's necessary to explore what those emotions are so that you have a better understanding of yourself to become a more complete artist. And I love, I love how you stated that. Um, Nicole, Becca, anything, anything you want to add in there? Go back. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I also don't think that it's necessary, uh, but I do definitely believe that they can be correlated. Um, 
and I mean, th this is something that, again, has been historically recognized or we see it, you know, in pop culture that there seems to be this relationship between that tortured artist's, you know, motif and, you know, really powerful evocative art. Um, and, and there's been psychological research done into those connections. So like there's been correlations drawn between like people who experienced childhood trauma and their ability to think creatively. And uh, Nicole, I'm not saying you're horrifically traumatized, but this is something you've brought up about using and pursuing fantasy art as a means of escapism. And that is something that is repeatedly shown by people with childhood trauma, is they find these ways to process whatever hardships they're going through. And often that uh, is shown through fantasy, right? And that ability to find somewhere better, to think of somewhere better, to be the hero, you know, whatever that might be. And they essentially create their own form of art therapy through that creative thinking. And art therapy, again, is something that does exist and is used all the time as a tactic for helping people who have gone through various forms of trauma. So it absolutely can help that artistic process and be a means of exploring those feelings, exploring that emotion, exploring memories and learning how to communicate it in a healthy way and to help you process it for yourself in a healthy and meaningful way. And then in turn, you know, create that ability to communicate with others, to be empathetic and to move forward in creating art that makes a difference for other people. So not necessary, but there's definitely a connection here. Yeah. Ooh. So this is a really interesting question for me. And I thought about this quite a lot over the weekend. And um, I had a, a kind of decently sized uh, anxiety attack over the weekend and um, sitting there on the bed with my husband and we're talking and it just kind of struck me all of a sudden that art and creating, writing, any of those fields that allow me to make something that didn't exist before, writing is a really particular key to this, though, I think, um, are forms of self-medication for me. And so first, let me start by answering the question, and then I'll get back to this. Do I think it is necessary? Do artists need to hold on to trauma per se. No, I don't think so. Um, however, and I really like what you said, Kat, and then you kind of followed that up, Matt. I think we need human experience, right? We need to truly experience life deeply in order to be able to pull from those things and bring them into the art that we create. And I think sometimes the reason that this idea or this motif, like you said, Becca, um, the stereotype of the tortured artist, I think in a big way it exists because those first, we mentioned childhood trauma, right? When you have a desire to escape, um, it's really, really easy for those things to be the impetus of that. And I've noticed in myself, as I mentioned, as a form of medication, um, it is a way to step outside of yourself. It's a way to be removed from yourself. It's a way to experience that blissful flow state where the conscious, the narration part of your mind fades away into the background and you don't have to listen to those voices anymore. In a way you feel like you become a vessel for this act that you're creating. And as a writer, what it feels like when you get really deep into these flow states of writing is it feels like watching a movie when in fact what it is is all these parts of your subconscious coming together and making things happen you feel like you're just recording whatever it is you see and that does a couple of things it allows you to escape from yourself it also allows you to explore a lot of these ideas and things that may not be safe to experience in real life through that art form so I can experience death and loss and grief and danger and all of these things through my characters and see them come out okay on the other side. And there's something really freeing about that. But I can also experience joy and love and bliss and all of these things through my characters as I write them. And it becomes a really fantastic vehicle for understanding who you are. And you'll notice most writers 
not necessarily a genre thing, but they tend to have a core of what they write, whether that's found family or happy endings, or, you know, there's these kind of pieces that tend to repeat themselves over and over. That's a motif, but repeat themselves over and over in their work. And oftentimes that's because we are exploring that for ourselves. We may not even consciously be doing it, but that's what we're doing. And so do I think that trauma needs to be held on to in order for artists to create? No. Do I think that experiencing strong emotion and really feeling life deeply is a requirement in order to create? I don't even think it's a requirement to create, but is it a requirement to create impactful work, um, work that resonates? I think it is. And I think so because there are only a few things that are completely common to the entire human experience and pain is one of them. And so when we're able to listen to somebody or like I'm using that from a music perspective, I'm sorry, when we're able to listen to music, let's say, that has that impact that we can connect to it immediately, all of us have felt pain, that becomes a really strong emotional tie. Um, so I have a really kind of mixed bag of how I feel and think about this whole thing, but I know for me, certainly, I may not have necessarily had, and it's hard to tell, but I may not have had the impetus to go off and create magical lands for myself if everything that I already had was too good to leave. So just some kind of disjointed thoughts, but yeah, I see we've got a hand up in the audience today. I would love um, if anybody else has got any thoughts, we're, we're going to be there in about 10 minutes or so. So get those hands up and we'll definitely pull you up. But yeah, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, Nicole, you know, I think you said so much good stuff in there. And um, let me get a little bit closer to the mic. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, feeling life deeply. And I think that for me is where I got to as well. You said it so succinctly. Feeling life deeply and looking at that human experience and where these these connection points are for all of us, right? Pain is one of the thing. Intense joy is another, you know, another way. Love is another way um, for all of us to have some of that shared experience. I'm curious, though, and maybe I, I missed it as I was kind of writing notes, but at what point did you come to that inflection point where you could use what... I'm not even going to use the word trauma anymore. I'm this emotional past. Um, at what point did you realize that, oh, I can, I can use this. I can draw from this. It doesn't necessarily mean that I need it to create the things that I want to create, but where you started to realize that it could unlock these fantasy worlds. Um, you know, and this, this goes to you and Kat and Becca, um, you know, at what point in your life did you realize that you could draw from some of this emotional past and use it as a tool rather than, I don't know why I'm creating, there's just stuff I need to get out. Um, and was there a defining moment there? Did you realize that one day like, oh, by my writing this chapter about this character going through this experience, oh, that tapped into these certain parts of me and I never really even made that connection. Was there a, was there a defining moment for any one of you um, where you started to be able to pull from that emotional past and put it directly into your work and do it in a conscious way rather than a subconscious way? Yes. Um, and actually it happened a whole lot later in life than I would have thought. So I mentioned before a friend of mine, Jason, was asking me why one day and he wouldn't stop. And the whys went more and more until at trying to answer why I realized that I have been using art and making and the ability to create as a form of self-medication. Um, that's why fantasy is what it is to me, why it's so dearly important to my life. Um, because I needed I needed the power. I mean, Becca said it so well in the very beginning. So then is when I realized what I was actually doing. I didn't necessarily know. I just knew it was what I loved and what I wanted to create. That's where I was happy. That's where my mind felt like it was on fire. And 
So I didn't understand why until that moment. Once I was there, there are the works that I would consider pieces of art. So there's plenty of things that I've made that I would consider illustrative. Most of my website is that way. Most of my website I would consider illustration, photo illustration um, or digital illustration with some photo properties. However, you decide you wanna define that. But most of my work I think is that, and it's, it's a very happy, safe place for me. But when I'm creating something, when I look at it for myself and define it as art, when I'm creating those things, I experience pain. <laughs> um, I experience the exhaustion of living in those emotional states long enough to make something that I feel like has meaning deeper than this is a joy to look at. In those times, I'm doing it consciously and I'm allowing myself to be there and stay with those uncomfortable emotions long enough that by the time the piece is done, I am exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, in those times, it's hard to think. I wanna be able to just kind of blah. And sometimes I've tried to actually talk my way through them, but it's difficult because at some point they stop being capable of description. Like those feelings and those emotions just aren't describable anymore, which is why I think the art becomes so important because it allows you, it's, it's like poetry in that way. It allows you to get deeper than just the meaning of the words. I've done that only a very few times in part because that is how it feels. It's so terribly exhausting. It's tiring. It's, um, it's like agreeing to stand in a thunderstorm for a really long time and it's hard. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I got a little bit lost in my response, but yeah, that was, that was when for me, and that's kind of what it requires for me to do it consciously. It's, it's actually impressive to me that you even, you know, can find that point. I threw it out there thinking, be like, no, nah, I never really, never really knew when it happened. It just kind of happened. So for you to be able to pinpoint it, that's awesome. Um, I think, you know, the way that you've been able to translate some of that emotional past into these works and then be able to pull from it. I'm, I never really thought about it. So it sounds like you've actually, you've pondered this question a lot over the past, you know, many years. Um, Becca, Kat, how about you? Any, any moment in time, doesn't have to be some big flash of lightning, but any moment in time where you realize you're like, oh, okay, I know really where this is coming from and I can start applying this to every session. And it doesn't have to be a singular moment of your emotional past, but just kind of like pulling from those feelings. I want to, I want to create this sad piece because it's helping me with this. I want to create this overjoyed piece because it's helping me with this. Or, you know, where does that expression come from for you? And was there a moment where you realized that you can use some of your past into creating some of what you do now? I'm a, or Kat can go ahead. Oh, well, now I'm, now I'm here. Damn it. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I couldn't pinpoint an exact moment. And when I was a, you know, more budding artist, uh, I, I relied very, very heavily on that emotional drive. And I definitely leaned heavily into the torture and the substance abuse and the pain. And I, I still feel that I've done some of my most powerful work when in awful emotional pain. I've done my absolute best beautiful writing when heartbroken. And I don't know, I mean, just through that process of, you know, having to be a functional working artist uh, beyond just making art for the sake of my own sanity, uh, it, it had to develop. And I've, I know I've mentioned before, like being living at, at the, you know, the whims of my muses and, you know, that still, still hits me. And I still do create when those emotions impact me, but I have to be able to create otherwise as well. And, you know, I mean, there is that maybe subconscious level of being able to relate to that human experience and that creation process. And, you know, it's, it's necessary for me. 
Um, but it, it can really swing one direction or another. And it's a weird thing too, I think, finding a level of comfort and happiness in life. Uh, and I know like I, I stopped writing, for instance, kind of when my life stopped being totally miserable <laughs> and I miss it. Sometimes part of me does miss it. And I'll like go and turn on some really sad, depressing music and like, you know, shed a couple tears just to feel something, even though if I'm not actively going through that same process, just to kind of tap into that. Because for me, it, it does factor into my creative process. And, you know, there was a long time in my life where the art was the therapy for myself, even if not prescribed by a doctor. Like it was just the way that I could process what I was going through. But yeah, I, I couldn't put a, I couldn't put a finger on exactly when it changed and it's still there. So when I am going through something, that's when I'm going to be having that really powerful introspective kind of creative process for myself. And when I'm confident and just kind of cruising, you know, it, it can be harder to be honest. Can I reply to that real quickly, Matt? Yeah, go ahead, um, of course. I was just, it just, and this this will be quick, I promise, but it was just making me think about, you know, as you're describing those feelings, and I was thinking about, you know, my own relationship to those things. One of the things my husband and I talked about the other night was, man, when you're feeling so much, and when you are experiencing things so deeply, and when that often becomes, like I mentioned, exhausting, I told him it's it's not surprising to me when people resort to some kind of substance in order to be okay or, you know, um, so much is happening. And I know so many folks who have gone through the cycle of substance abuse um, because I do think that there is a healthy way that we can engage with substances. Maybe we'll talk about that someday, but um, through substance abuse purely as a way of escape from everything that they were feeling because for some reason they weren't getting enough of it in art. And maybe the art sometimes makes it worse because it does require you to stand in the middle of the storm for a long time. And by the time you're done, you just want to get out of your head. And sometimes, sometimes substances can provide what feels like some kind of an escape. Um, and so for those of us who do maybe experience too much or feel too deeply. I think that's why it's so important for us to ask these questions because we do have to challenge those ideas. I think that those are not a requirement. Um, we don't have to stay in those places in order to create. Um, yeah, so that was just a, a thought as Becca was explaining her feeling. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty succinct thought though. And I mean, one of the most interesting things about sobriety for anyone who has walk to that road um, is having to be with yourself all of the time. You can't run from that. You can't run, you know, to the bottom of the bottle. You can't, you know, run away into your art and completely in the same way. And so, yeah, I mean, you really nailed it there where you, you have to be present and you have to face yourself all the time when you take those crutches away. And uh, it's, it's difficult and it can be very, very scary for people who had to lean in another direction. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And you said something a, a moment ago, Becca, and, and Ari, I see you on stage. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to bring you up. I'm glad you're here on stage. We'll get to you in a second. I'm going to ask Kat a question in just a in moment. But Becca, you had mentioned, you know, using things to tap into the pain, right? I know for me, I'll throw on Adele just to feel the feels, right? And I sit there in the studio and I, I, I'm kind of listening to this music and it fills me with that same feeling of pain that I had from a long time ago, but it also inspires me to realize that I got past all of that and I'm in a different place and now I can control some of that emotional past. So... I, I love how you said, you know, you can tap into it in certain ways at certain times when it when it serves you creatively. Um, and I just wanted to kind of mention that point. But I know, Kat, you were going to say something earlier kind of along these lines. Um, so I wanted to give you a chance to, to respond. Sure. And, you know, like with Becca di dialing in on that sobriety piece, I think was, was really, I don't know, ringing that bell. Um, but I think back to being a kid and making art and 
you know, that, that seven-year-old version of me that was just making for the sake of making. And that exploration was always mind-blowing for me. And I could cruise for hours. You know how you get in the zone when you're making anything and you just like go and you wake up, you look up and it's like, oh, it's dinner time. Um, but as a kid, it was never about trauma per se, but it definitely was an escape, right? So it was an escape to go create and play with things and experiment and explore. And then as an adult, I started realizing that I could leverage. So I could go turn on the sad music and, you know, really get into it just to, to pull from that and set the, the emotional stage. Um, because I know that when I'm feeling something deeply positive or negative, I know that whatever I create in that moment is drawing from that extremism. And that extremism is really where that focus can go down some really crazy rabbit holes. So yeah, sometimes as Bassam would say, I pulled those fucking levers. <laughs> um, you know, whether that's trauma or joy. You know what? I'm really glad you mentioned extremism, Kat, because holy, it just felt like a key unlocking in my head. When we have just a moment of, well, that was nice. We don't go, God, I need to go make something, right? When we say, I love it so much. It makes my heart feel like it's going to fall out of my chest. I got to go fucking make something. Exactly. I'm so scared, right? I'm so scared. Oh my God. I think I need to go process this somehow. Like it does living life at those extremes or those moments of extremes absolutely feel like they catapult us toward the need to create more than anything else. And maybe that's a, a part of that struggle <laughs> is uh, when you feel everything so much, you, nobody can function like that all the time. Yeah. And, and God, could you imagine trying to function like that all the time? I wish, I wish I could. <laughs> right. Like to hold the, the energy that would require you to be in that state 24 hours a day. Like, man, no wonder mania is a thing. For real. Yeah. And I have, I have extremism written down in the middle of my page circled like 47 times, as you were saying, Kat, because that really, for me, was the, the big trigger in your statement too, of just, it's feeling those things to that to that point where it just viscerally changes you you have to do something about it and um yeah whether it's whether it's sadness or joy i think there's some some benefit to both right um to those extreme ends because that's where the good stuff comes from so ari thank you thank you thank you for being so patient waiting on stage i'd love to hear you weigh in on this i mean i'm just glad that you guys are so good at editing because fuck i mean my god um and thank god for pencils because i got my notes um okay so the, the first thing is all right just broadly you know i i came in at 908 909 i was late i apologize you know, it's unbelievable that we call this the Artist Forge and that, um, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that feel, and I know that I often feel this way when I go to, um, you know, professional rooms with, you know, very successful people, um, you know, sort of this heightened state, almost exponential state of, um, what we've talked about imposter syndrome, um, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to, to create um and i use that word with intention because when i create it's very different than say when 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 you know nicole you create your worlds um and i've seen your work and um or or, or you know creating uh the art and the, the photos and i've seen all your work really um you know my creating can be and i'm going to use this two different ways often is a spreadsheet and, um, you know, there is a, a, a creative process to that and a, an architecture and a, and a release. Um, my main form of creative output is actually what delayed me 
from being here on time um, is my Instagram feed, which is basically um, my way of just, you know, being me and getting shit out. And I was creating my new fake webinar um, that I posted and probably sent to all your inboxes um, like in 904. Um, and so when I say the artist forge name is, 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 you know, I feel lucky to have, you know, found you guys in the context that I'm not a traditional artist. Um, you know, what you're talking about is so clearly applicable to everybody in, in every different context. And, um, you know, if you had a more general name, there'd be thousands of people, you know, just, you know, eating this up. And the one other thing I wanted to say before I really jump in, and I, I promise I won't go on forever. I do have good notes. I'll speed it up. But you really, um, I just wanted to collect myself. I'm sorry for just dragging there for a sec. Trauma, I've learned, it's relative. And so that's an important thing, I think, to really, and I'm sure you talked about it at different points. You know, one trauma to me could be someone else's, oh, that's no big deal. That doesn't make it any, any less traumatic to me or how my body is affected by it. The fact is, I'm not wearing my Apple Watch now. I can guarantee my resting heart rate's over 140 right now. Um, and that could be from stubbing a toe and, and that doesn't invalidate it. And so that's one important thing to say. Here's what I really want to get into though. Um, you know, Nicole, you're talking about, you know, when you're done, you know, the deeper meaning, you're exhausted. You know, and, and like I said, that's like my Instagram content, right? Um, and, and, you know, recently I had, um, you know, a pretty in basically the beginning of November, just to put like context into it, um, you know, went through some trauma and I have accountability partners and investors, and I'm sure people here, you will have bookings on their calendars. And it took me literally two hours and a couple of days later, and I couldn't, it took me two hours to put my laptop together. And my partners were on me. Okay. Um, you know, it's saying what they thought was helpful things, push through it. Um, you know, they were saying, you know, um, again, a lot of the things that I heard said earlier, you know, like, um, you know, unless you step outside your brain, this will split your mind up. This is, a, you know, um, you working on your Excel sheet is a creative way for you to, you know, shut down the voices. And these are the things that I was saying to myself as well, that, okay, I can focus on this and then ignore the shit that just happened to me. Um, and I couldn't do it. And I started panicking. And what happened was I spoke to my psychiatrist later that evening and he literally told me, and I, wrote, I have this exact quote. He said, myself and my partners and, and my, me beating myself up that I don't have my deliverables and I can't do that Excel sheet. He literally said this. He said, that's the equivalent of being upset with the COVID patient who's not able to finish the marathon today. And he told me that I should spend the next day and lie in bed and watch TV and not get out of bed. And I was like, I, I panicked. I was like, what the hell? That's, you know, you're telling me what I've learned over time is if I, is a sign of depression that if I feel that way, I should get out of bed and not spend the day watching TV. And he said, look, your body, you know, there are different parts to this and you have to let your body heal and you have to let your, your mind heal. And that's what you need today instead of the negative feedback, feedback loop of you getting frustrated because you're not being, you know, your head's not in the place to be able to get what you quote unquote should be doing. And so, you know, that's sort of my, you know, you know, thing I want to say, because I, I feel like there'd be so much pressure on people, um, again, in and out of art, in the different formulas to it, to, um, you know, say, well, I had trauma, why, why, why can't I, uh, you know, beat Picasso now? Um, and so I do have, very quickly, a couple, you know, concrete ways to think about this. One, know yourself. And we've talked about this. And unfortunately for me, um, my, my recent diagnosis, not even kidding, I am no longer, you guys will love this, I'm no longer diagnosed ADHD. I'm, I'm diagnosed with being intense. He didn't use the word extremism, probably because I'm Jewish and that is like, got its own connotations. But he, he has officially labeled me as being um, high intensity and um, not ADHD. So know yourself. Have, and this, we've talked about this many times in this room, have those people that can give you your reality checks, your rocks in the road that can tell you what's real, what's not. Have a guy like my, my psychiatrist who told me, don't try to push yourself, stay, get in bed. 
I needed to be told that because to me, getting in bed was like me being a failure and giving into depression. And I wasn't really depressed, so it didn't make sense. And then finally, when it comes to the substances, my substance, I feel like is dopamine. And the person that um, I need to take care of is myself. And I put here my picture. I've talked about it before. There's a club, there's a movement for self-care. And anyone that wants to, um, you know, explore, I've done this uh, woman's program now, I think four times. It's a seven day program that's supposed to then lead to continuing it. I keep doing it because I don't continue it. And then I eventually, you know, kick myself in the ass and say, well, okay, I guess I'll start again. But it's, but it's been impactful. The main key is intentionality to me. Um, but even without the intentionality, it's a fantastic thing. And it's public, not public, in Clubhouse. I was at a Clubhouse and it's powerful and it works. And that's a good substance that we can use to, you know, live life. And I love you all. I love that I'm done before 9.45 and um, didn't uh, take us over time. Thank you so much. And I am complete. Thank you for sharing all of that, Ari. I think, you know, one, your story is incredible. Two, the 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 powerful thing in there for me is is know yourself, right? And it's it's something where only you can interpret what you're feeling. No one else can. No one else can tell you what to do or how to feel or how to deal with something. So knowing yourself is important. How you then go on from there, whether it's through art or sitting in bed watching Netflix, right? All of that is internal to you and specific to you. So, you know, I love the fact that you're able to just look at it and say, I'm addicted to dopamine, I want to feel good, um, rather than saying, I want to dwell in this negativity for the rest of my life. Um, I just think it's a really powerful statement about who you are. And I, I think it's fantastic. Um, Carol, I do see I've been having trouble bringing people up on stage. So Carol, I see that you're up here. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Matt, can I just say one, oh, one sure. thing? One, really one, one sentence. I just want to say this. The problem is that our heads fuck with us. And that's where the, 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 to me, the combo of having somebody else be able to, that you can be fully open to without judgment and without, without censoring, that they can give you that reality check. Because I don't trust my, I, it's not trust. I know that my head messes with me and it, on the good and the bad, it, it enables me to do amazing things, but it also tells me, Hey, you can, you're a tough guy. You can pull through this when the doctor said, no, go to bed. And so there's, a, there's a trade-off and, and a balance there. And both of them are powerful. And, and I appreciate your, your kind words as well. It's a great point, Ari. Thanks for, thanks for clearing that up. Carol, go ahead. Hi. Um, when I first heard you guys talking about this, I thought, yeah, right. You know, I just, I'm like this whole idea of I'm going to pull from my trauma to create my art just sounded kind of goofy to me. And I'm like, well, I'll listen and see what happens. Right. And so then I remember, um, I, because I know I've had like a lot of trauma in my life. And when I hear Nicole talk, man, we have a lot of parallels about our past. And so I can relate to that, but pulling from that to do my art, I just never thought of it in those terms. But then what you guys have said thus far has gotten me thinking. And I remember as a young person, thinking, okay, it's a sin to kill yourself, so I can't do that. But I wonder if I could will myself to die. And, you know, I mean, I actually was thinking that. And then, you know, obviously it was a, it was a painful time. And so then at some point, the way I got through that is I decided, okay, I'm going to be a great artist and writer after death. I mean, I never, <laughs> it's just really weird, but I couldn't even conceptualize that anything could happen while I was alive. But I would pour myself into that, I guess, you know, although I didn't have the words for that back then. Um, but then as time has gone on, okay, I've had people say, 
wow, have you done LSD? Because your artwork looks like you've done LSD. Or, And then I had an art teacher say, wow, your work looks like what I've seen done in mental institutions. And I'm like, oh, man. And he's like, no, no, that's really good. And I'm like, okay. You know, so my art was saying something to somebody, I guess. But I mean, no, I've never done LSD. I said, if I ever took it, it'd probably straighten me right out, you know. But um, so that's how I proceeded through my life from that point on is to, I just did double time on all of those things. You know, I did the other things I had to do in school, but double assignments, sometimes triple assignments on art, on writing, because uh, there was, I suppose, without, unbeknownst to me, um, something therapeutic about that. So then as time has gone on many, many years, um, maybe I use art as therapy, I decided, right? Um, I know I do it when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm upset, depressed, it doesn't matter. I do art every day. So um, I never really thought, I mean, I don't, I don't usually think of it in that way. And I certainly don't think in terms of pulling from my trauma, that whole idea just, wow, you know, I don't know about that. But it being an actual therapy for, uh, you know, things that have happened over my life. Yeah, I, that I can relate to. So that's, that's all I have to share. Thank you. Matt, can I just say, can I, do you mind if I say one thing? Sure. Carol, you've had top secret clearance since you were 19 years old. How about instead when, it, when someone with LS asked you the LSD question, tell them, no, that's what happened. We had top secret clearance since you're 19. I've seen some crazy shit. I mean, I can't even fathom, you know, I, I, I love you so much and, and we, we, we speak all the time and, and um, sometimes I feel like, you know, I just, I love these opportunities to point these things out to you of, you know, the incredible life that you've lived and how much more you have to go. And, um, you know, you don't need to have to be attacked to have trauma and, and you, life experience is included in all of that. And, uh, and in a very good way, it shows itself in the work you do. And I'm complete. Well, I had that other part too, sadly, but you know. Yeah, and I think the, the bigger point here, and thank you, Carol, for sharing all of that. And Ari, it's a great point. I think, you know, the emotional past, which is why I wanted to term it that way, is it can be painful. It can be joyous, right? And it's how we pull from those bits of our consciousness that allow us to create the way that we create, right? And it's almost recognizable. The more that you're able to express that way, the more that you're able to put your real self out there from this vast experience that we've all had, that starts to become the notion of your voice, right? And it doesn't have to be um, consistent throughout a long period of time. You don't have to create just sad pieces or just fantasy pieces or just light and airy. You don't have to do that. But when looked at, you start to get a full understanding of this artist's work and who they are and what they represent when they're really pulling from a place of truth and authenticity rather than just a place of, I know I can sell this and it's a little bit soulless, but hey, it makes me money. Both are fine, but I think when you start to see work in aggregate and you see somebody's life's work or you see a period of time for a certain artist, you can understand what they're going through because it's so powerful. And like Nicole said at the beginning, we have the shared experience and the day-to-day -day stuff, oh, my trip to Walmart, while someone might be able to relate, yeah, I went to Walmart too, it's probably not going to be a big emotional experience unless you're there on Black Friday. So I think... You know, as we look at what we're pulling from and where our desire to create comes from, again, the, the question that was posed to me is, do we need to hold on to any of this in order to create what we create? And I think we've established between all the artists that are here that no, it's not necessary to hold on to it, but it seems to be that when it's utilized in a way 
that you can put your authentic self out there where you can create from that space of very strong emotion that that becomes some of the more meaningful work. No one ever has to see it. It doesn't mean that you need to do that to be famous or to be successful. It just means that for you to be able to tap into that artist that you are, pulling from those emotional spaces can be painful. It can be therapeutic. It can be all of these things. And by understanding our emotions and where they come from, why we're having them, what's triggering them, how we're getting past them, you become a more complete version of yourself. So without rambling too much longer, I wanted to give um, everybody up here, Nicole, Becca, a, a, a chance for some final thoughts as we get closer to the end of the hour. And we've been thinking about you know, where this desire to create comes from, how it helps us, where the emotions come from. Do we keep them in our toolkit and pull them out when needed, or do we utilize them all the time? Um, Nicole, Becca, I'll look to you for final thoughts. I'll have Becca go first, and then I'll kind of uh, close things up. Oh, great. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, I, there's, there's been a lot of great perspectives today and I, I appreciate everyone's candor too, because I know it's a conversation in itself to like push against that, you know, idea of the trauma driven artist and the tortured artist. And I, I think Ari made a good point too, and that that trauma is relative and all of us have gone through so much life experience. All of us have interesting stories and things that have happened to us and things that have made us who we are and how we look at those experiences, how we internalize them and how we process them and then express them as necessary or even when they're not necessary, you know, if we don't feel the need to tap into certain ones or not is really the core of it. You know, it's, it's a large exercise in that introspection and in understanding yourself. And I think that's, the biggest takeaway for me, at least. I mean, things I've thought about over the many years of being a sad, drunken shit show. Um, but yeah, just like how, how are you going to do what you need to do with what you have? And how can you be the best that you can be from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a couple things. One that I want to touch on that you just said, and then the other thing that I want to close my part of this with and what you just said the part that I want to grab and even expound on a little bit is this question like you said Matt is trauma necessary no life is necessary right living it experiencing it and everything that comes along with it trauma is part of it but it's not the whole right um the first heartbreak the love the heart pumping, palm sweating, feelings of excitement, of anxiety, of missing home, of being alone for the first time. I mean, all of these things deeply inform who we are, how we think, how we behave, how we process the rest of our lives. And even when we're not consciously drawing from those things, they are still coloring everything we think and do, whether we realize it or not. This is why each person, each artist creates on an individual level. The work that we make is always going to be our own because the unique blend of experiences that we've been through is always going to be our own. So that's a really big, important part of it. And even just leaning into and recognizing that from the perspective of somebody who maybe feels like Okay, so what does that mean for me if I feel like I've never been traumatized? Can I not be an artist now? Of course you can. The idea is bullshit. Please do not lean into the idea that we must have trauma in order to be good artists or in order to create wonderful things or enjoyable things or thought-provoking things or meaningful things. Of course we don't. But it's another experience, one of many that we have to draw from. And that leads me to the other thing I wanted to end with before I um, turn the mic back over to Matt, who has absolutely killed hosting this morning. And that is this idea of origin stories. So I've had the privilege, I've mentioned this a few times, of interviewing some really fantastic artists um, on my YouTube channel, Nicole Creates. I was doing this through 
the initial lockdowns in COVID. And one of the main things that I had heard from a lot of people, we talked about experiences that they have had or things that happened growing up. And in particular, this conversation with Dustin Valkama, he talked about, you know, his adoption um, and, and being orphaned essentially and the feelings that went along with that as a young kid of anger at the world and all of these things and that led us to this idea of origin stories because now he as you know a well-adjusted man with a family and and you know he's making a career as an artist he's able to look at those experiences from his childhood in a big way like his origin story and if you think about superheroes and you think about the things that they went through um whether that's being you know goosed up by gamma rays or bit by a spider or whatever it is. Um, they always have some kind of complex, crazy thing that happened to them in their past. And as adults and as artists, we can look at those things as the terrible things, or we can look at them as the origin story. And for me, I find a lot more value and a lot more hope and a lot more power in looking at those things as an origin story. I don't hold on to any resentment. I know almost everybody in my past was doing the best that they could do with what they had, whether they were young girls being mean to me because I was new um, and they needed to feel some kind of sense of power. It wasn't about me. It was about them um, or, or family drama or whatever it was. Everybody was just doing the best they had. So I don't have any resentment, but I do look at that as that is a thing that happened that contributing that contributes to making me who I am now. And I can leverage that when I choose to. It doesn't have to become my whole life. But when I need to tap into those deep emotional spaces, I have that to refer back to. And I know last week we talked about the fact that we don't have to stay there. But once we've experienced it, we have access to it. And I think that's really the important part. It's a file that lives on the hard drive of your mind now, and you get to go back in there and go, okay, what was it like that first time I saw the man who was going to become my husband? What did it feel like? Can I live in that? Were there colors to that? Like, how did it feel in my gut? What did my body feel like? All of these things, you get access to that. That's the wonder of having a creative mind and an imagination and a memory. So. I think when we take the power away from the, the trauma part of it a little bit and recognize that all of these experiences become paints that we get to use, you know, when we're making, then it puts it in its proper context as part of the story, not the most important part of the story. And hopefully that takes away a little bit of its power to negatively affect us and gives it the power to become one of the paints we use when we create. So. I love this conversation today. That's it for me. Nicole, I, I think there's your bumper sticker moment. Paint with your experiences, right? So um, I love how you put that because it, it immediately created that image that I needed in my mind to think of the most concise way to pull from that. It's a palette of paints. And that's an amazing way to end this. Guys, Thank you for kind of letting me explore this topic today. It was a question that um, took me by surprise, um, threw me off a little bit, but in the end allowed me to really take a hard look at why I create and how I create and where it all comes from. So I hope it did the same for you. Um, just so you know, we're here every morning. I'd love to see you all back here. We had a great crowd today. Love to see you all back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. on the West Coast and different times everywhere in between. Um, check out theartistforge.com. We've got replays of blogs and blogs going up all the time. You can check those out. Um, and if you need anything at all, instantaneously, head on over to the Facebook page and uh, request access if you don't have access in there already and join some of the discussion. I posted a video today of something that I shot last week. It ain't perfect, kids, but it felt good to make and just create in the moment. So um, if you have anything you want to talk about, head over to the Facebook group. Until then, I will sign off and say, go make something great. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye, guys. 
Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.